0: What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schommler. This is Strong Opinion Sports for Wednesday, December 6th. Oh, I am so excited for you guys to hear the show I have put together today. That's because I recorded the show out of order. There are two segments to Strong Opinion Sports today. There's this one right now with me talking. I'm going to take a short break, and then there will be another segment with my buddy Colin Storm. Colin came on today. He was the best guest I've probably ever had on Strong Opinion Sports. The dude was incredibly prepared, he came out swinging. You know, I brought Colin on because he had a an argument for how he would do an eight team college football playoff. And we had a strong debate. I think I lost the debate. I think I got absolutely annihilated. It was a ton of fun though. This is the highlight of my week was getting to interact with Colin uh, on the podcast today. So in the meantime, I'm gonna talk about Roger Goodell. We'll do NFL buy or sell. I have something to say about the Cleveland Browns, and then we'll talk we'll get into Colin or we Colin and I talk about the college football playoff. LeVar Ball, some New York Giants, some a lot of quarterback stuff. It's just a great, great show we have planned for today. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. I put my full entire podcast on YouTube. If you want to listen to it that way, you can. I also put my best clips on YouTube. And tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I know you have friends who listen to podcasts. Hey, Tell them. I listen to this thing called Strong Opinion Sports. It's awesome. There's this guy, Zach Schaumler. He's kind of a nutbag, but he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to sports. I'm just kidding. I'm putting words in your mouth. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. All right. The NFL is a $14 billion industry. This year, in 2017, the NFL made $14 billion in revenue. It's a big business. I didn't say million billion as in B with a B it's a huge huge operation the NFL is incredibly successful they're doing well the NFL is reaching into Mexico and Europe overseas the NFL is growing the NFL is not stagnant it's not stuck in America and despite all of the controversy with medical stuff we're really it really isn't taking front and center we're, we're excited about football still even though there are concussions and there are all kinds of small injury issues We're really forgetting about that. NFL has been incredibly successful at suppressing the injury worries. That is all thanks to Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, has done an incredible job building his company and building the brand that is the NFL. Today, Roger Goodell signed a contract extension worth $40 million a year. Oh my goodness, you guys freaked out. People all over the world were so angry. How could you re-sign Roger Goodell? And how could you give him that much money? Well, first of all, let me offer you guys some perspective. Roger Goodell getting $40 million is like you making $14,000 and then being mad about paying someone $40. $14,000? to 40. That is because 1 billion is equivalent to $1,000 million. b Billion. Billion. So if you had $14,000 and you were angry about paying someone 40 million. So if you had $14,000 and you were angry about paying someone $40 who helped you gather your money, you're absurd. You're cheap and ridiculous. I'll put it into other terms. If you made a lemonade stand and you made $14,000, and you only took home $40 out of the 14000 It's kind of a dip, right? You're kind of getting screwed. So look, honestly, that's a low number. The $40 million for Roger Goodell, that's a low number for him to take home. Look, I i don't know. I have no idea. I'm caught up. I think people are caught up far too often in the wrong thing. We get mad at him for suspending players. We get mad at him for the Ezekiel Elliott stuff. We're just getting worried about the wrong thing because at the end of the day roger goodell is a businessman and the nfl is a business and roger goodell is doing a fantastic fantastic job with the business that is the nfl i've said this for years and years roger goodell just needs to hire someone whose sole job is dealing with punishments then we would hate roger goodell way less we wouldn't blame Roger Goodell for Ray Rice or for Ezekiel Elliott or for all these other controversies. We would blame someone else and it'd be their job to take the blame and take the fall. Roger Goodell is a fantastic, fantastic businessman who has really elevated the NFL and taken them to new heights and to new markets. Look, Roger Goodell made $34 million last year. Nobody complained. Yet, for some reason, you had $6 million and everyone's freaking out and everybody's angry. Relax. I know the numbers came out. I know now you know how much Roger Goodell makes and it makes you angry. Look, that's ridiculous. Move on. Next week, some other news story will come out. You can be outraged about that. Roger Goodell is not overpaid one bit. He's worth every cent that the NFL pays him. I want to move on to NFL buy or sell. There are four weeks left in this year's NFL season, and I want to kind of change things up. I want to do something kind of different for the last four weeks. So this week for NFL Buy or Sell, I am going to predict what teams will make the playoffs and kind of lay out the structure of the playoff system. And then every week after that for NFL Buy or Sell, I am going to predict winners of the biggest games. So for the last three weeks in the NFL season and into the playoffs, I will use NFL Buy or Sell to predict who will win football games. Look, I love it. I took, I took over an hour to write out all the possible outcomes for the playoffs today. I'm really excited. I want to share what I came up with. This is NFL buy or sell. I want to start in the NFC. First of all, the Vikings, the Saints, and the Eagles are all locked up. They all are going to win their divisions and it'll be fine. They made the playoffs. But I've mapped out the future, and, and I'm buying the Seattle Seahawks. I am buying the Seahawks to win the NFC West. I know the Seahawks are a game behind the Rams in the NFC West, but the Rams play the Eagles, the Seahawks in Seattle, Tennessee, and the 49ers, who always play the 49ers really well. Three playoff teams and the 49ers, who just got Jimmy Garoppolo. The Seahawks will finish 11 and five, win their division, but the Rams will get a wild card spot. The Rams will go 10 and six and still make the playoffs. Just they will get a wild card spot and will not win their division. So that leaves us. There's one spot left in the NFC playoffs and the four teams that are vying for that spot are the Falcons the Cowboys the Panthers and the Packers first off I'm selling the Packers the Packers are six and six Aaron Rodgers will return to their team but it's not enough it's not enough they're too far behind and can't overcome it I'm also selling the Cowboys the Cowboys are six and six same problem they're just too low they don't have a high a good enough record they can't overcome the problems the Cowboys will, could win the next three out of four games and go seven and, go nine and seven, which is not good enough to make the playoffs in the ultra-competitive NFC. I'm also selling the Falcons. The Falcons are seven and five, but they have the toughest schedule remaining in the NFL. They play the Red Hot Saints twice. The Saints are going to make the playoffs. They're already locked in. They, the Saints and Falcons play two times in the next four weeks. Then they play the Panthers and the Buccaneers. The Falcons will finish 8-8 on the season. I am buying the Panthers to get the last playoff spot in the NFC. I'm not a Cam Newton fan. I don't like saying any of this. He's streaky. He's weird. But look, at 8-4, the Panthers can afford to lose to the Vikings and both the Packers. Go 2-2 in the next four games. Still make the playoffs at 10-6 with the win over the Falcons in Week 17. The Panthers will get the last and final playoff spot in the NFC. All right. The AFC is a lot more boring. Well, it's not boring. It's actually really interesting, but it's interesting for different reasons. The Steelers and the Patriots won their division. They are a lock. We're not going to talk about them, but I'm picking the Ravens. I'm buying the Ravens at 7-5 to finish 10-6 and and get one of the final playoff spots. They're going to get wins over the Colts the Bengals and the Browns and go 10 and 6. The AFC South is very interesting. The AFC South is interesting because the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans are both 8 and 4. Only one of these teams can win the division. The other one will have to take a playoff spot. I'm selling the Titans. I'm picking the Jacksonville Jaguars to win the division at 11 and 5. The Titans have an incredibly tough schedule the rest of this year. They will go 9-7. The Jaguars will get wins over Houston, San Francisco, and the Titans in Week 17. Now, the most interesting and fascinating part about the AFC is this. There are three teams in the AFC South, AFC West that are all 6-6. Six six. The Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. Now, of those three teams, I am buying the Chargers to win the AFC West and ultimately make the playoffs out of those three teams. The NFL is often about being hot at the end of the season. Who has the most momentum going into the playoffs? Right now, that is the Chargers. The Chargers at 6-6 six six will finish 9-7, win their division, and make the playoffs. The Chiefs, who started 5-0, had a great start, will not make the playoffs. And the Raiders will not win another game this season, and they will finish 6-10. and 10. Thank you so much. This has been NFL By Sell. I want to move on to the last topic until we take a short break i spent a lot of time in los angeles this year I, I love los angeles it's it's one of my favorite places on earth especially right now where i live right now in pullman washington it's incredibly incredibly cold i can't tell you how much i miss the weather in los angeles a- a- la is cool because there's so many different things to do there's a beach there's mountains nearby there's music there's good food Everything you could possibly want is in Los Angeles. I don't know how you could not be happy living in LA, but I met someone this year who just had an attitude problem. I worked with them this summer. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what they did. They were just unhappy. They could live anywhere in the world. They could live in Disneyland and be unhappy because they have an attitude problem. No matter what they did, they had a bad day. They looked at everything in life with a very incredibly pessimistic point of view. The Browns have a similar attitude problem. The Browns, oh my goodness, the Browns have it's awful. The Browns I've talked about getting the number 1 overall pick this year with Josh Rosen. And I always I just feel uncomfortable with that. I say I don't think even Josh Rosen is enough to save the Browns franchise. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the Browns get. No matter what the Browns get, we're going to have a bad attitude about the Browns. It's very very interesting. You know, if the Dolphins or the Arizona Cardinals had the number one overall pick and they got Josh Rosen, we'd be excited. We would believe in those franchises. But we just don't believe in the Browns as a franchise. Nothing is enough to save the Browns. That's kind of our attitude. And that's the Browns' own attitude about their team. That's the, the attitude in Cleveland about the Browns. You know, we, the Browns decided to not draft Deshaun Watson Who looked like the rookie of the year I think Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback That was drafted in last year's draft class And it's funny Deshaun Watson went to Houston He looked like the rookie of the year for about three weeks Tears his ACL And the Houston Texans are still incredibly Positive about the future They have a sense of hope Even though we lost Deshaun Watson this year We found our franchise quarterback We feel good about him He is our guy Now, if if the exact same thing that happened to Deshaun Watson that happened in Houston happened in Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns fans would have given up. They would have said, oh, of course it happened. It's always the Browns. Poor me. We suck. There would be no hope for the future. There would only be a bad attitude that says, we are the Browns. We're not good enough. We can't make it happen. The Browns need an attitude adjustment for the Browns to turn their franchise around. I, not just Sam Darnold you don't you need more than Sam Darnold you need more than Josh Rosen you need more than just a good quarterback in Cleveland to turn it around you need to completely change the culture and the attitude in Cleveland and in the Cleveland Browns franchise my name is Zach Shalmer. I'm going to take a short break when I return you guys are going to meet Colin Storm it's a ton of fun he's extremely prepared I got obliterated in our college football debate it's good listening I'm excited for you guys to hear that Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find my full podcast on YouTube. You can find my best clips on YouTube. Find Strong Opinion Sports on YouTube. Tell your friends about this show. I know there are people out there that have no idea Strong Opinion Sports exists that would love to listen if they did know it existed. So tell your friends. Tell the people you know on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm so excited for you guys to hear what's up next I'll be right back. We are back. What's up, guys? My name is Zach Schaumler. This is my good friend, Colin Storm. Are you aware your name is like really, really, it's like perfect for a broadcaster.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I always thought I should be a weatherman because of the last name Storm. <laughs> I I thought that would be a natural progression in my life, but it's not to be.
0: I, I love the chaos that is college football. I, I've talked many times. I think four teams is more than enough. But you and I had a, a discussion and an argument about how you would do an eight-team college football playoff, and you blew me away. We were on the You were on the whiteboard. You were drawing stuff all over the place, and I was like, Wow, he has a good argument, and I wanted to have you wanted to present that argument to everyone who listens to this show. Yeah, th- um,
1: well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, we we were talking about okay. What Zach, answer me this: What is the biggest problem with uh, the four team college playoff, especially in light of what we what was revealed to us the other day? We feel like teams could either be let out or not. The best four teams will not get a chance to play for the national championship. Yeah, there's a lot of discrepancy about. All right, even the even the committee came out and said teams 5 through 9 are so even. Yeah. And I think that is true in most years anyways. And so my idea for a college football playoff, for the ideal college football playoff is for an 8-team system. Yep. Right? So so we no longer have to worry about some te- some conferences being excluded. This year yep. no Pac-12, no Big 10. Yep. Okay and we'll, just,
0: we'll get to that later we'll get to that
1: egregious <laughs> oh drove me nuts um and and beyond that th- there's no room for the smaller upstart teams and and really that's what makes march madness so fun is to see some yeah. of the small teams be able to compete yeah and and i think we can bring that element with an 18 playoff you could even talk me into a 16 playoff but but i want to present to you uh tonight yeah. uh, an eight team playoff okay and so here's my argument number one Every single conference gets an automatic berth. Now, yeah. it's up to each conference how they want to determine that. Some conferences, like the Big 12, used to only go by regular season. If they want to do that, great. Yeah. The point is, every single conference is represented by one team, guaranteed. Okay. Simple so I far. I love it. Yep. Simple so far. So, so you have five teams. Pa- five Power Power 5 conferences, so you have five teams automatically. Yep. And then we have a sixth team that's an automatic Uh, bid from a non-Power 5 team, meaning it could be uh, a a team like uh, Notre Dame, so an independent school like Notre Dame or Navy. It could be a uh, a non-Power 5 conference, so this year it might be University of Central Florida. Uh, Some years it could be Boise State. And then, so now we have six teams, and that leaves two at-large bids for Power 5 teams or other deserving teams. Okay, so, so this year, here's how it would play out in my mind. Number one is Clemson, okay? Clemson is the ACC winner, and uh, the, the selection committee has them as the number one team. I've got no reason to doubt that. I'm putting them at number one. Number two, I'm putting Oklahoma. Again, we're just gonna follow the simple formula so far. So, so far we have our ACC and our Big 12 uh, uh, teams. Third team we have is Georgia. Okay, Georgia was the SEC champ. Great. Good for Georgia. Go Bulldogs. Here we go. Now here's where we start to get a little interesting. I'm putting, I'm gonna leave with what I'm gonna I'm gonna leave with what the, the selection committee had and put Bama at four. And this is my first at-large team. Okay, Alabama at four, first at-large team. And then at number five, I'm putting Ohio State, which was the Big Ten champion. Ah, if only we could play some sort of game with a football where on a gridiron where we could determine who is better between Alabama and Ohio State. Well, I have good news. In my playoff, this happens in the first round. And then at number six, I have the Pac-12 champion, USC. Okay, we talk about Ohio State being left out. USC had two losses as well. They and they ha- played a season without a bye. There was and no they bye a season week, which without is buy. brutal. One of their losses was on a short week on the road in a tough environment. Yep, I think SC has every right to, to be as upset as ohio state really? number number seven i have central florida this is our non-power five auto bid. and is, in your system is there only one non-power five team um one guaranteed oh wow okay one nice. guaranteed and then we have two at-large bids which could be any team so yeah. if notre dame and ucf were both deserving great they both love it. it and then my second at-large team is wisconsin one loss I think uh, you know they they made it through the regular season unscathed, lost a fairly close game to Ohio State. So here is my uh, top eight, and and how this plays out is first round is at the higher seeds home. Okay, so Clemson would be hosting Wisconsin, Oklahoma would be hosting Central Florida. Tell me you wouldn't love that matchup, Georgia, fantastic. <laughs> Georgia and SC. Oh my gosh, and then of course Alabama, Ohio State. Semi-finals are played in Atlanta and Phoenix. Finals is played in my former hometown of Pasadena, California.
0: What do you think? Zach? It's almost like you talk for a living like or like you present all the time. I feel like that's what you do as a TA. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. fantastic. No, I I love it. I still, my only problem with this, there's the, the resume argument. We're now arguing over teams that in the past would have never had the opportunity. So we look at, like, even I think Alabama can barely get in. Ohio State lost I made this argument, they lost really badly to Iowa, and they really had a chance to make a statement by beating Wisconsin tremendously. They could have really stepped on their neck and pounded them into the ground. So we've been arguing over who should be the fourth team, and it's like, in the past, none of this would have mattered. They wouldn't have either had a chance. And now we're putting two teams like Wisconsin, Wisconsin has an opportunity now too. That's true. I, I think, you know, one thing as, as college football
1: has evolved, we now have have left it, in the hands of the athletes to determine who's the winner and not left it yeah. in the hands of coaches or uh, media members. As much as I love the media uh, and teach it for a living, uh, it should not be in their hands. It should be in the hands of the players. And so I think with an 8 team playoff, I think a 16-team playoff is too much because yeah, all of a sudden that. you have champions. You know, the, those well, how many games would that be too? Be 17 games for teams that make it to the finals. Yeah. That's way too much. Yeah. That's, I shouldn't say way too much, but that, that's, that's too a many, lot for sure. And and then and then I think four teams is too few because we're guaranteed to leave out a, a Power 5 conference every year. Yeah. Every year we're going to leave out a champion. Well, there's
0: always going to be controversy.
1: Exactly. And I think the controversy uh, between four and five uh, is different than the controversy between eight and nine. In yeah. that once you start getting in the eight, nine, ten range... No one's going to argue, oh, Iowa should be in instead of whatever to ever is eighth. Yeah. Once we have conference champions, all of them having an auto bid, now... Those teams on the fringe no longer have as strong of a case yeah. as an Ohio State or a USC does this year. Yeah, um, and so I think that's the strength of it. I think that by allowing two auto bids, you now allow some good teams, yeah. like Alabama and Wisconsin, one-loss teams uh, who don't win their conference, to still have a chance at the national championship.
0: And, and I think that is that that really is what the strength of this proposal is i like i have two responses to it first of all i like the way you set it up i think that's if i was going to do an team college football playoff this is how i would do it everyone gets represented you get the non-power five teams a chance to also get their bid where ucf notre dame but it goes back to but my argument is this i think excluding someone having this controversy is actually good for college football because we care way more because we're angry and upset when you involve people's emotions it's better for the sport when there's controversy when there's conflict we're drawn to that. It's a better storyline.
1: But what's what what's the purpose of college football? Is it to drum up controversy and storylines, or is it to determine who the actual champion is? Because in my mind, it's to determine the actual champion, and we can still have our controversy about who's the eight seed uh, without undermining the conference champions from each yeah. from each
0: conference. What goes? Is it a business, or is it a storytelling medium where we can? create controversy and sell ads right are, are we yes, trying to both are we trying to find the the champion because that's i think that's a counter argument trying to find the champion or sell the most ad revenue
1: well by adding another round of games don't you add sell more 100 percent, definitely so i think in the long run uh and, and and i think a lot of uh critics would say okay well now you're adding another weekend and these are student athletes who have to go to class and and i i totally understand that and yet the ncaa added on a uh a couple playing games for basketball and so now those teams could play up to seven games in a, over a span of four weekends in the in march and april and, and so let's let's call a spade a spade now does this also does this take away from the big matchups in the regular season does this okay i think detract that's a, from that? i think that's a great argument i think The reason why I like eight is because it still puts a lot of emphasis on the regular season, especially as far as who makes it to their conference championship. Or if a conference decides, we don't want a conference championship, and instead we want to base our auto bid uh, on the regular season champion, they are free to do that. Some Some conferences, Uh, For example, the SEC uh, don't play as many conference games during the season as other conferences. And so now it gives more uh, emphasis on however the conferences want to determine their champion, they can do it. If they want to get rid of a game uh, being the championship game, great. If they want to keep it, great. Um, but I, I think that by adding one more weekend, it's it. Still, it doesn't water down the regular season.
0: Well, it's a happy medium, right? If you yeah. lose, if Ohio State loses to Oklahoma like they did this year, you're still biting your nails. We may not get in. Where if you have 16, you're like, oh, we're fine. And that a 16 definitely takes away from the regular season games. They wouldn't matter nearly as much. Now you're still worried if you lose a big game like that, and every team slips up. I, other than Central Florida this year, every team has slipped up. Who did Central go. Florida play? You know, that's
1: the whole argument. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's why for the Power Five schools, the one loss teams, maybe even a couple two loss teams should have an argument. I
0: want to talk about this. I, I'm i a big Big Ten believer. I think the Big Ten is by far, far and away the best conference in college football. And you completely all year have disagreed with me and it's really fun. So I want to finally have this debate. Yeah, I believe the Big Ten has the most teams that could compete at a national level and they are by far the best conference in college football
1: okay i want to start with this i grew up uh, part of my life in michigan i am a diehard michigan wolverines fan yep. go blue oh i i i, I follow michigan <laughs> this football is why you
0: didn't want ohio
1: state <laughs> and michigan basketball <laughs> as closely as any team yeah. up there with the seahawks and sounders um okay i'm going to start with this i'm going to read a list you tell me when to stop and and you're going to tell me when to stop when i read a good team ready illinois okay indiana mm-hmm. okay Rutgers. yep okay maryland Mm-hmm. So feel free to stop me at any time yeah i, I will nebraska continue. minnesota nope okay purdue or padone continue keep going uh iowa nope okay um northwestern yes stop stop Stop. so we have so hold on okay one two three four five six seven eight it took me to the ninth team
0: in the big 10 for zach to stop me uh with a good team and now here's my counter argument to that okay we have ohio state penn state wisconsin michigan michigan state and i'm giving northwestern as a they're not bad so that's six teams in the big 10 that are good teams that could compete nationally okay hold on now that we're on the compete nationally point um let's talk
1: about a few things when was the last time the big 10 scored a point in the college football playoffs i have no idea it was three years ago really last year ohio state was shut out the year before that michigan state was shut out okay um on top of that here are teams that's with... a good point i love that <laughs> thank you uh on top of that here are um, teams with winning records yeah. within the conference Okay, Uh, SEC, 65% of teams had winning records. Pac, uh, excuse me, Big 12, 60%. Pac-12, 59%. Big 10, 50%. Only half the teams had winning records. And uh, zero non-conference top 25 wins. Zero. They're the only conference without a top 25
0: non-conference win. Really? Yes. That's interesting. What about this though? Dang, you, you really made a good point, so I want to talk about the ACC now. Okay. Because we, we move—I I want to continue with my my argument I've been making. Okay. The number of high-quality teams in the Big Ten is ridiculous. Because you look at the SEC has three, three, maybe four. The big the Pac-12 has three. I'm going gonna I'm not saying Washington State's a great team. So you have USC, UW, and Stanford as teams that are, are great teams that are going to compete nationally. You have the Big 12. I, I'm dying on this hill. Okay. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and TCU in the Big 12. Yep. And the ACC is the second best conference. They're the only conference that I think I'm comfortable saying is very close to the Big Ten in competitiveness nationally. They have Miami, Clemson, NC State, Virginia Tech, and not Louisville. So that's only four, not five. And Florida State in most years. Most years. Mm -hmm. Most years. In healthy quarterback years. Sure. But this year, they were the best conference in college football. And I think it's egregious to leave them out of the college football playoff. Okay, I think there's two ways to look at this. I
1: think you can look at this as... Uh, who has the strongest teams at the top of the conference, and who has yeah. the most depth in the conference? Yeah. and I think you're conceding Big Ten does not have a lot of depth, but that it has good teams at the top. Is yeah. that right? Sure.
0: And a lot of them,
1: four of them, six, three of them, three. three so you're of them.
0: telling me Michigan's not a big, a great team? No, I think no. this was a
1: rebuilding year for Michigan. Michigan State's not a great team. Uh, they're they're both good teams. Yeah, and they're and and traditionally they are pretty good teams um okay but i would say the sec is uh is the best as far as top heavy if if i were to take a f- if we were to do with f- you know how the basketball has the acc big 10 challenge yeah where they play each other yeah if you're to give me georgia alabama and auburn versus penn state ohio state and wisconsin i would take the sec every time they would go 3-0 and no doubt about it
0: Really? Yes. Huh, I think okay.
1: Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn could beat Penn State, Ohio State, and You Wisconsin. think it would run completely run through? Completely run through. Uh, last season was, who beat Ohio State? Uh, was, uh, two seasons ago, Alabama beat Michigan State 38 0, I believe, in the college football playoffs. I would take uh, Georgia, uh, Alabama, Auburn over the top three of Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin every day of the week,
0: twice on Saturdays. Now, now that's great. But when you look at strength of schedule, look at Alabama's schedule. Who did they play? They almost lost to Mississippi State. Who's I'll I'll give the Mississippi State. They're not a bad team. Alabama
1: had number 4 strength of schedule. Ohio State had number 17. But yes, continue.
0: Why now why do you say that? Cuz who did who did they played Oklahoma? They played Michigan, they played Penn State. I, you're telling me you think Alabama had a stronger schedule than Ohio State? That's not my sure. my uh, opinion. That's yeah.
1: that's ESPN's Football Playoff or yeah. uh, Power Index, excuse me, had number had Alabama at number four strength of
0: schedule and number one overall despite not winning the sec (laughs) interesting (laughs) right see that's i think that's just an sec bias we get so caught up the computers are biased i don't i don't know i don't know what the i just i (laughs) when you talk about strength of schedule Mm -hmm. the big 10 dominates with strength of schedule and to leave them out to leave them out of the college football playoff to not put them one of their teams in the top four says we do not care at all about strength of schedule
1: how about teams that have made it to bowl games? 80% of Big 12 teams, 75% of Pac-12. I would argue Pac-12 is the deepest conference. Really? And the most diverse in the sense of air raid, spread, West Coast football, you know, the West, uh, you know, all, all different types of styles of yeah. offense. Right?
0: I, I love this. You're taking me to task. This is fun. I love it. Why, why do you say the Pac-12 is the deepest
1: well, I'll, I'll get back to that real quick. Okay. Um, teams in bowl games: eighty percent Big 12, 75% percent Pac-12, seventy-two percent of ACC teams made it. Sixty-four percent of SEC teams. You haven't heard the Big Ten yet because they're in the fifties. Only only a little over half the Big Ten teams really? made it to bowl games. Okay. okay. But sure. I would, but let's move on. I like I like this question. I think the ACC and the Pac-12 are the two deepest conferences. I would agree with that. You agree with that? Yeah. 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 I, th- I think we're on the same page there. I think what makes the Pac-12 unique is that as I was saying a second ago you have a variety of styles whereas in the ACC you don't have quite the variety of styles that you do um you know Florida State and Clemson play very similar styles uh you know even Virginia Tech and and to some extent UVA but in the what makes the Pac-12 so tough and that they they really beat up on each other is you know one one week you're playing Rich Rod and uh, Hill and the the spread run game, right? Yeah. And then the next week you're playing Coach Leach and the air raid, and then the next week you're playing power football against Stanford, and then the, you know, and and it just goes down. You know, every team plays plays uh, some unique style of football, and I think that's tough, and I think that's what makes uh, the Pac-12 tough on each other. Not to mention Friday night games on the road are not great, um, but it also helps, uh, in my opinion, make the Pac-12,
0: the deepest conference. So what's our conclusion here? Am I, am I totally wrong? You made pretty really good points. The Big Ten may not be the deepest, I, the, I think the, we can the, the best conference in college football. I think
1: we can agree the Big Ten is not the, the deepest call, uh, conference in college football. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. I would argue that if you were to take, I would, I would take the SEC's top three over the Big Ten's I think you can make totally an argument great. for the Big Ten's, yep. but yep. but I would personally take the SEC's Georgia. I agree with that Auburn. as well. Yeah, yeah. And so I think what does that leave the the Big Ten? I think it's a good conference. I I think, um, I think,
0: yeah, I think it's a good conference, but it's not the best conference. What so? What about the strength of schedule argument? Mm-hmm. Do, do you think a team in the Big Ten is a, a stronger schedule than an SEC team? Um, no, I don't. I think. Um, well,
1: I take that back. I do because uh, of the SEC playing one less conference game, which means uh, they get to play one more non-conference, oftentimes a cupcake yep. game against yep. whomever. Right? Southern. Who yeah, knows? Whatever. During Tennessee the, Tech, like <laughs> it's like week thirteen or fourteen. I yeah. Forget, right. Um, and and so in that sense, I think the SEC teams, because they play one fewer game, might have a, a lower strength of schedule, but. Man, if you're on the road and you play Illinois and then you play Rutgers the next week and then you play you know Nebraska and then Indiana, then Minnesota, it's like, eh, I don't see why that's such a tough... I'll I'll give you that there are some tough games. Penn State, Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin are all tough games, but I wouldn't take it over that season.
0: I want to shift our focus now to Monday Night Football. We saw the Steelers and the Bengals go head-to-head, and there was a really controversial injury. Ryan Shazier led with his head. He—he he, you're taught in football to tackle to see who you're tackling to see what you're tackling. Ryan Shazier had his head down. Got had a back injury. He's still in the hospital. And this led to this whole discussion all week, you know, about safety, about football. And I really, I think we're at the point where we just need to admit football is not safe. And and there's no good way to do it. We watch UFC, and you're not going to tell me getting punched in the head in UFC is safe. And I really want to have that discussion because I'm really tired of people saying. Oh, no, why are we worried about this? Just admit it and acknowledge what it is. Football, there's no safe way to play football. And we've talked about concussions. We've had this whole dialogue, and I just think it's time to admit that. How do you feel about that statement? Oh, I totally agree.
1: I think that, um, you know, for so long, we have ignored the health benefits or uh, costs of playing football. And I think what distinguishes football from other sports is... You know, you can get injured in any sport, yeah. But but you, the the severity and magnitude of injuries in football is different than in other sports. So, for example, in basketball, you can tear an ACL, and this and this happens you know, yeah. not frequently, but but regularly enough. But but an ACL nowadays, you can have surgery and be back within six months. The issue with football is the is the neurocognitive injuries and not necessarily always the the hard hitting hits the uh but more the the subconcussive injuries meaning the repetitive small repetitive hits that happen on every play for example in the offensive line offensive defensive line just the small hits yeah science is is showing more and more that this is really the danger of football
0: well i think it's interesting we have this whole now parents are talking about it people that i know and i'm around growing up with are saying, when I have kids, I'm not going to let them play football. And and I don't know where I land with that. I think that if my children want to play football, go ahead. I'm not going to push them into it either way. But I want to point out that we have people that do jobs like being a pipe fitter or an electrician, and those are also dangerous for your job. But that's your job. That's how you make your living. You accept the consequences of your job and, and the fact that you might have a traumatic brain injury. And and that that could be what happens to you. But you're also getting paid millions of dollars as a compensation for that punishment. Yeah.
1: Uh, now you played football, right? Yeah, I did. Now, knowing now what you, or know, knowing then what you know now, would you do it again?
0: I would. And here's the thing, it's football is not just a, a sport where you get tackled and hit your head all the time. There's so much more to football. It's, I learned so many life lessons. There were coaches that helped me. I learned a lot about bad jobs and work ethic and showing up on time, all kinds of life lessons. There were so much more than football. Hmm. And th- that's the value of sports. And that's, I think, Unique to football because in basketball, one guy can dominate. In baseball, a pitcher can dominate a game. In soccer, one guy can dominate. In football, you can't, uh, other than quarterback, you really can't have a guy. And even then, you still need the help of everyone around you. Football is such a unique sport for the way it's played and the life lessons you can learn. So I think that I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with football in the next 50 years. You know, we're going to see right now there's no way to fix a brain injury. If you, if you have a tra- traumatic brain injury, there's no recovery. You talked about, you know, you rip your Achilles up. You can go to a doctor. They can help you out. Right now, there's no way to fix it. I'm curious to see if in the next 50 years, we do start having surgeries or ways of healing or fixing CT like it was any other disease, CTE. Do you think football is going to exist in its
1: current form 20 years from now?
0: I don't know. I really hope so, but I don't know. I, I, I you, know, you, you think at some point we're going to say, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? But at the same time, it's such a good storytelling. It, it's a good device for telling stories i love 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 the playoffs and its situation right now in the nfc and the nfc and we're seeing all these teams and that's you can't find that other places there's just football is so unique with the stories it allows you to tell so i hope it doesn't go anywhere but we also have to be aware if you're going to play football you're you're going to probably mess up your head and or it's at least possible
1: yeah for sure and this this is uh what i'm interested in setting is why do you... Uh, despite the known risk, why do football players continue to play? And I think that's uh, an interesting question and and one that I want to explore more. So, yeah.
0: Well, if you look at, like, Herm Edwards, when you hear Herm Edwards talk about football, the guy, I know he's a coach, but he just passionately loves the game. And I think we're going to see less and less guys coming out. If if a guy's here for money, he'll go play basketball. There's way more money in basketball. If you want to just make a ton of money or or make millions, that's what you do. If you're a guy who loves football, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see the guys weeded out that aren't in it for the love of the game. That's I think the future of football. We're gonna see people who passionately love football and are willing to take the risk in order to play the game they love. Yeah that's that's a really good point. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. I want to talk about LaVar Ball if if we may. for If if you need to recap of the whole situation, there are three brothers uh to the dad LaVar Ball. There's Lonzo Ball who's with the Lakers. There's LeAngelo Ball who's the middle son who's not as good we're talking about the NBA. We're not sure. And then there's LaMelo Ball, the youngest brother, who is 16 years old, driving Lamborghinis with his own shoe. And recently we saw LeAngelo Ball go to China and get arrested for shoplifting, bring a lot of embarrassment to his family. And now his dad has pulled him out of UCLA. And I have, I've really stuck with LaVar Ball. He's a controversial figure. I've, I like his business acumen I've kind of, I've hung in there with him for a long time and I'm finally done. I'm out of it. Because you're taking your middle son, who's the worst of the three, a guy who may not be – he's not an NBA player. I think we both – we all see that. And he had a, a full-ride scholarship to University of California, Los Angeles, an accredited, amazing, ridiculously good school. And they've now taken him out of the school and said he's going to play basketball somewhere. And, and I can't do that. I, 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 can't, I can't follow LeVar Ball anymore. I can't, I can't go with him. You're now hurting your son's future. A degree at UCLA was the best thing going for him, and now you take that away from him. What does he have? Well, I, first of all, I think this
1: might have been the best Christmas present Steve Alford could have gotten. Um, <laughs> yeah, they wanted out of that marriage. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, that's an interesting point. He probably was. Well, I mean, who knows? He'll probably get his own shoe now that'll probably sell for five hundred dollars and if, if anyone buys it <laughs> if anyone buys it. um it's just but we're furthering the b- big baller brand and that ultimately is what the the ball family is about right is yeah. about creating a brand and and so while you might be off the the bandwagon I'm still on it and that he is doing what he uh thinks will will uh enhance the brand and what are we doing right now we're talking about
0: it and that is all
1: he wants and he is winning
0: you're right you're right no i love that and that's what i like to him for so long yeah now what about this though do you think him so he was suspended by ucla it was i think a three-month suspension he wouldn't have played any basketball this year i think until i think march or something it'd be a long time from now would him sitting on the bench and not playing because he was not going to play really for ucla at all this year anyways would that have hurt big all brand is that why he did this
1: it could be. I mean, that that ulterior motive could absolutely be there. I hadn't thought of that before, and I think that might be a, that that might be at the the root of this. It's because it's embarrassing, degree. right? If
0: he's sitting on the bench and he's not good enough to play at UCLA, how can he ever be the big NBA player his dad wants him to be? Right?
1: Yeah. Where do you think he, do you think he goes professionally now? Somewhere else, or do you think he uh, oh, goes man. to another college? Not the NBA.
0: And, it's not the NBA. I you know I don't know. I, Who wants him?
1: Well, and then you think about his incident in China. What what foreign countries are going to want him to play? Like China was leagues. his
0: best bet to play professionally, I think. And now he screwed that up. You know, you can't do Does that. he go to Europe? I, I would rather see LaMelo Ball go to Europe, the younger brother. Because I think we don't, I never see Europe on ESPN or anything. We see Spain every once in a while. But if LaMelo Ball goes to Europe or Spain and plays basketball, we're going to see that dude all over SportsCenter. Center. We'll we will follow him to Europe. And why are we going to do that? Because of his name. Exactly. And that's all his dad oh, wants. That's I love all it. his dad wants. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. I think there's one last thing I wanted to talk about, and that is the Browns quarterback situation. We saw the Browns head coach, Hugh Jackson, come out today and say, he said, let me find my notes, he said that we can never have enough good, we can never have too many good quarterbacks on our roster. And he hinted at the Browns are going to draft a quarterback. And we take for granted, we, we all assume it's going to be an incredibly deep draft class. In reality, we only have two quarterbacks that are we consider to be good, possible NFL prospects that are coming out. Baker Mayfield's a senior. Luke Falk has no eligibility left. Washington State's quarterback is going to come out. So we have Baker Mayfield and Luke Falk. Everyone else has eligibility left. And I talked about, if I ever left college, I would leave for a certain job. I would not leave college to be a garbage man. That's, that's dumb. I would leave college for a job working for Colin Coward, my favorite broadcaster. Because that's an opportunity you can't pass up. Working for the Cleveland Browns, playing quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, is not the situation I would leave college for. Listen to these names. We have Josh Rosen, a junior; Sam Darnold, a redshirt sophomore; Josh Allen is also a junior; Lamar Jackson is a junior. We are all assuming these guys are going to come out, and I don't think they are. What's your response to that?
1: Well, I think they, hmm, I think they will come out. I think some of them will come out. I think, I think Rosen's pro ready. Um, I think. But
0: why, why would he come out? What's the benefit?
1: Money, um, money, and and I also think that he will uh, look at all right. His new coach is Chip Kelly, and Chip Kelly runs an offense typically uh, in college runs an offense that Rosen is not as familiar with and might see as one that
0: does not prepare him well for the NFL. Really, um, I, can I say why I disagree? But first of all, yeah, yeah, please. Nick Foles was dominant for the in the with the Eagles in Chip Kelly's offense. I, I know we always talk about you need a running quarterback, a guy like Marcus Mariota or uh, I can't remember like, Dennis Dixon. Uh huh. Nick Foles dominated in the Eagles offense without his ability to move. He doesn't, you don't need to be a mobile quarterback. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I kind of disagree. I think he could be successful at UCLA with Chip Kelly. Yeah. And certainly Chip Kelly is known for putting his quarterbacks
1: in uh, situations to succeed. You know, I mean, you look at Mariota and he's translated fairly well to the NFL. Not, not outstandingly well, but, but pretty well. Um, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, if Rosen goes, he's the number one pick, and yep. and as we sometimes see, those uh, uh, athletes who come back for one more year when they are probably going to be the number one or two pick have nowhere to go but down because all of a sudden we are looking for flaws and we are yeah. looking for ways that they screw up. Yeah, and so everything to lose, nothing to gain. So while he might go to the while he realizes he might go to the Browns, he also realizes. I might lose millions of dollars by coming back for another yeah. year. Um, so I think Rosen's gone. I think Darnold's 50-50. It wouldn't shock me if Darnold comes back for one more year. I
0: think Darnold, if the Giants have the number two pick and Rosen is favored, I think he comes out and goes to the Giants. That's yeah. a good situation for Sam Darnold. To be in the Giants organization with Odell Beckham Jr., that's, that's a situation I'd want to be in. Absolutely. With
1: a new head coach, presumably yep. Yep. um well we'll find out who it is. I don't
0: think it's gonna be John Gruden, but that would be interesting.
1: That would be interesting. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He he would be walking into a situation where he already has a, a proven receiver. Yep. And they have a couple youngish running backs who 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 might turn into something. But but it's, you know
0: it's a good organization. It's a good company to work for.
1: It's a good organization. It's in a it's in the bright lights of New York. Yep. And and certainly there's a lot of pressure attached to that, but but it's also not the Jets. And I think that when you're the team that is not the jets in new york um yeah you certainly have uh, a little more leeway it's but what's interesting <laughs> is is we've seen uh, uh eli manning be successful and and so i'm curious if you think eli manning is a hall of fame quarterback
0: i think so i i think you you have a guy who won two super bowls and we look at legacy how is he remembered mm-hmm we're going to remember him for upsetting the best team ever to play in the NFL.
1: But we're going to remember him for two plays, right? We're going to remember him for David Tyree's helmet catch and Mario Manningham's crazy one-handed out-of-bounds catch in the Super That's Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, does any other— he's,
0: he's certainly a fringe guy, but also he's a Manning. And he's that Manning. name has so much weight. You're, Eli, you're Peyton Manning's younger brother. You're football royalty. So, yeah, I think Eli Manning gets in. Now, he's not a 1st ballot Hall of Famer. It'll be a couple of years— but eventually, because of the weight his family carries, especially if he goes to somewhere like Jacksonville and has another one more good... He needs one more good season, maybe. I, and then he's surefire. Hey, if
1: I'm Jacksonville, why am I not on the phone right now trying to Well, they to probably get, already are. <laughs> getting they got to be on the phone. i got two stats for you. Okay. Um, the first one is Eli Manning. Uh, okay, I, I have to make sure I get this right. Eli Manning is 8-0 and in the two Super Bowl winning playoffs, right? Yep. Four yep. games each time. And then in playoffs... That he didn't win a Super Bowl. I believe he's 0 5 or 0 6. (laughs) How about that? My second stat, which I was just looking up on my phone. Do you know how many quarterbacks the Cleveland Browns have had since Tom Brady was drafted? In the sixth round? Is it it in the 40s? It's
0: higher. It's higher than 40? 55. Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) 55. um, Oh no, I'm wrong.
0: 26 26 but still that's still that's horrible that's horrendous well, was, that's enough reason if I'm Sam Darnold back to back to Josh Rosen going to the Cleveland Browns that's such a hard trade-off do you trade off millions of dollars or potentially ruin your career because I, I talked earlier in the show about the Browns how they just have a, a culture that's no good yeah that stigma going to the Browns it's like a death sentence they can't seem to get anything right they're just a bad attitude there that I wouldn't want to be a part of and you're not, you may not get a second chance. Rarely, even if Sam, if Josh Rosen can play, but he's not given good enough support and has bad coaching, it doesn't matter. You rarely get a second chance to be an NFL quarterback. There's How many times have you seen a guy screw up somewhere and then get another chance? Alex Smith, maybe. Who else? Keith Keenum. Yeah. And but that's, that's it. That's, I mean, that's not a lot.
1: But what's interesting about Keith Keenum is, is we saw him uh, in a bad situation to start his career. And now that he's with... Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, he's he's thriving. They are what, 10-2 this season now, with him? The benefit
0: I mean. Case Keenum had, though, there was no expectations. He was an undrafted rookie free agent. He wasn't the number one overall pick. Absolutely. That that number one overall pick can be a curse.
1: It can be. I mean, if, if you think about, okay, so who are the best quarterbacks in the league right now? You think, what, Tom Brady, yep. who was a six-round pick. Yep, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. What round was Drew Brees? He remember? was, uh, I think, a second-round pick. Second or third, yeah. He was like,
0: yep. something like
1: that. Something like that. Uh, uh Russell Wilson yep. who was a third round pick yep. right um and so it, so it's And Aaron Rodgers who slid who slid yep yeah that's right he was one of the the ones who slid on uh the first it's day of 24th, the
0: draft 24th, 29th overall and so
1: like and so how often do number 1 pick quarterbacks do well not super often uh Peyton Manning comes to mind but yep. but those like Tim Couch and some of those guys um you know they don't and and part of that's because they're 21 year old rookies walking into situations where it's not necessarily the quarterback that's the problem. It's oftentimes the franchise. Yep. And so no matter what year Josh Rosen comes out, whether it's this year or next year, he's probably walking into a bad situation. And so if I'm Josh Rosen, I leave this year to get my
0: paycheck now. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. No, I think there's two reasons, though, why number one overall picks don't succeed. That's a great point. But also there's the chip on the shoulder. When you're the number one overall pick, the expectations that you are going to dominate are there. When you're Tom Brady drafted in the sixth round, no one believes in you. You have to have that chip on your shoulder. I'm the only one. I'm the only person in my corner. That's why I said it's going to be a benefit if Deshaun Watson slips in the draft. He did. It was a benefit. He went to a better team and had to prove himself and had a chip on his shoulder. There is something to be said for that. I, I, I really, as much as we love Peyton Manning, we handed him the farm. We No one expected, other than me, I'm the only person in the world that said Russell Wilson is going to be a great quarterback because Russell Wilson has a heart of a lion.
1: You and Pete Carroll, which thank goodness, I'm glad
0: that Pete Carroll thought that too. He's, well, how, he's awesome. It drives me nuts. I mean, how can you not? How could you not watch Russell Wilson at Wisconsin making NFL throws? And they're like, he can't see. Are you kidding me? Obviously, he could see at Wisconsin. I don't know. It just that's such an interesting thing because so often
1: scouts and, and fans and GMs and coaches get caught up in the numbers. Yeah. Right. Russell Wilson's undersized, and he. You know doesn't have you know he doesn't throw this ball or or whatever, right yeah uh, and it and it's not always measurable you know Tom Brady's another one. He came out and he's not chiseled by any means he, yeah right yeah. yeah he but he he's smart he he throws uh you know he doesn't throw a lot of long balls. he throws a lot of short intermediate yep. passes, but he just picks you all the way down the field and and there's something to be
0: said for that as well, and look at who has the measurables mm-hmm. and who is also a number one overall pick. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Guy's a freak of nature. I, I love Russell Wilson. I'm not taking away from Russell Wilson. Cam Newton is far more talented. Than, he has a bigger arm. He's a little bit faster. He's bigger. Russell Wilson's got a big arm. He's fast. But Cam Newton's like a god. He's like a god. Like He's an Adonis. And yet, even though he has all the measurables, he can't figure out in his head. He doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He's just got head issues. There's something to be said for that. We NFL GMs and people evaluating quarterbacks seem to always value the wrong things. Hmm. Deshaun Watson does not have a strong arm. Deshaun Watson, he, he, he's when I watched him in college, he had an average deep ball. He really didn't dominate. We saw him get good coaching and really ev- fix his deep ball, but he has this winning mentality. That's what I love about Sam Darnold. You can talk all day about Sam Darnold throws too many interceptions. Sam Darnold has bad coaches. He's a winner and he's got a great attitude. That's my fear with
1: Josh Rosen. So if, so if you're the Cleveland Browns and yep. Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson and all those guys stay in college – who do you take at number
0: one? Baker? No, I think you commit to Deshaun Kaiser at that point. I, I know that, that's that's insane, but I, I really think it's hard when you're a rookie quarterback having a complete shock to your system. Now, I, I don't believe in Deshaun Kaiser. I don't think he's mature enough. I watch him with a hood on his head. I just don't think he understands what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk talk today about, and I felt guilty listening because he talks about it. I worked 18 hours a day every day in my life. I don't think Deshaun Kaiser gets that. He goes out partying at 1 a.m., but maybe it's possible we just need to invest more in Sean Kaiser. So if, if they don't come out, yeah, you don't draft a quarterback. You draft something that can help your team. And maybe you'll suck again and you'll get a, a chance at Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. But Baker Mayfield's not the answer. I love Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, my favorite college football player in the world, he's not going to turn around the Cleveland Browns. As much as I love him, he's going to have to find a perfect scenario like a, an Arizona Cardinals or a, a, a maybe the Chargers, a team like that that will – he doesn't need to play right away. And if he does – He'll have a great coach that can help him out and good offensive players around him.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think. Yeah. That's sort of the the blessing and the curse of being a good quarterback is you don't always have the time to develop because the the expectations are there, right? Yeah. The expectations. And that they you didn't step used to in. be.
0: When we were growing up, they would give a quarterback three years. Typically, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, there there's some exceptions to the rule, but yeah, but that's that's true. Yeah. Peyton Manning is the one that comes to mind that didn't get that. Yeah. Uh, and neither did Ryan Leaf. Yeah, and we kind of saw in that case study between Leaf and Manning the two divergent paths that that these quarterbacks can go on.
0: I believe Matt Ryan is where it all changed in the NFL. Remember, Matt Ryan comes out his first pass is that like seventy yard bomb on a post route, and Matt Ryan immediately was successful. And that ever since then, there's been an expectation: if you don't come out right away, we're moving on. And, and I get it; it's a business move. You don't have time to keep investing and keep going and keep going, but. I don't think a, most guys don't come out of college and are instantly incredible. That's why Case Keenum took time to blossom. He needed time to acclimate to the NFL. Look at Dak Prescott,
1: Aaron Rodgers. He sat behind Brett Favre for a couple years. Yeah,
0: yep. Tom Brady played for a year, never touched the field once. Maybe before we move on, before we end the show, there's one last thing I want to talk about, and that's Kirk Cousins. I, I wasn't planning on talking about this at all, but I Kirk Cousins is a, a level, a tier two quarterback. I, I think with along with Matt Ryan and Case Keenum. Kirk Cousins can win you a Super Bowl, but Kirk Cousins needs a lot of help. That's the difference between Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees. They can do more with less. Russell Wilson has scored 29 of the 30 touchdowns the Seahawks have scored this year, but that's, those are miracle workers. Most gardeners need their tools to create a good harvest. Only a miracle worker loses all their tools and still can produce good flowers or good vegetables. What do you, what do you say to that? Do you think Kirk Cousins can win you a Super Bowl? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? you're not crazy i think you're right i it wouldn't shock
1: me though if uh now that san francisco has their quarterback with jimmy garoppolo that you know the market all of a sudden has shrunk for cousins because the the, inevitable right because we originally thought okay well cousins is only gonna be in washington for one more year because he's gonna file follow kyle shanahan to san francisco but now that that shanahan has presumably his quarterback um, that, that looks less and less likely to happen. So what I think happens is Washington franchise tags Cousins again. At you this really point, so? At this point, why not? You have uh, a, a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, but yeah. a good quarterback. And if you can start building around him, then maybe someday you can sign him to a long-term contract, although he repeatedly says he doesn't want to be there. And so uh, – but I just don't know if the market is that big for Kirk Cousins other than maybe a Jacksonville –
0: Maybe a New York Giants. I don't know. This is where it's hurting Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins lost 38-14 uh, to 14 to the Cowboys this last weekend. And and that, his ability, he's not Aaron Rodgers, he's not Tom Brady. He's a level tier, a tier two quarterback that needs help and support to win games. That is costing him a paycheck. It doesn't mean he can't win. It doesn't mean he can't be a franchise quarterback. But it does mean he's getting less money because it's, it's being shown. The guy needs a lot of help to win big games.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I, and that's why I don't think he's a, obviously. I don't think it's a, that hot of a take to say he's not a top top yeah. quarterback. But
0: he's um, also not he's not Brett Hundley either, right? No, he's not. He can win you games. I mean, he, look at look at this. Here's here's a testament to how great Kirk Cousins is, a- and why I love Russell Wilson too. No matter what you put around Russell Wilson, he does the same thing every year. No matter what you put around Kirk Cousins, he leads the NFL in passing yards every year. It, it, it's really kind of uncanny i know he's not perfect i know he's flawed he won't win you a ton he won't win you a super bowl by himself but if you support him if you put the right guys around him, if he played for the falcons for example he would dominate he'd be a matt ryan guy because they're about i think level quarterbacks
1: yeah no i i i I could see that he is that sort of tier of quarterback that can win you a lot of games and if and maybe in a fluke or or one-off year he can he can take you yeah
0: pretty far is there anything else you want to talk about
1: does tennessee have a coach yet
0: Oh my goodness! Uh, did you hear what I said about Tennessee the other day? No. What did you oh, hear? I compared Tennessee to a, a crazy girl you want to stay far away from. So my <laughs> my my brother, there I was texting a girl the other day, and she sent me, um, she said this in the same text, in the and literally the same text message said, I don't need you to text me every 15 minutes. I just need a couple texts an hour, and I said those are contradictory statements. So it's the same thing. I sent, a, I sent my brother that screenshot and he sent me an emoji of someone running away. He said, avoid that girl. She's crazy. You can't work with her. That's Tennessee. Who in their right minds would go to Tennessee? It'd have to be, it'd have to be a really, really desperate coach with nothing to lose and everything to prove.
1: Tennessee and Nebraska are, are in 2017, but they think they're still in 1995 in that they feel <laughs> like their rightful throne is at the top of the college football uh, yeah. mountain yeah and because they are
0: historic franchises or I mean, they are historic colleges
1: right they are to some degree i mean tom osborne obviously uh led uh nebraska for many years and, and put together good year after good year a couple national titles you know a couple top top picks but the truth is is that let's be honest for a second where are the recruiting hotbeds florida texas Ohio, California, yeah, and none of them, are, none of those are in Nebraska. Nowhere near. Nowhere near Nebraska, yeah. and so realistically, Nebraska and Tennessee, while they might have had some great coaches way back when, they are not the Florida states. They are not the Ohio states. They
0: are not, you know, the Texas. Yeah. And, and and that's just how it is. Their heads are a little bit ballooned. They're bigger than they should be. Absolutely. They think their place among the college football royalty should be a lot higher and it really is not why do you say nebraska though that interests me because i don't i i thought they had a great hire they hired scott frost oh i think that's a you
1: fantastic know. hire and, it, and and the reason why it's a fantastic hire for well i mean there's a couple reasons one is that uh obviously he was a highly successful coach at ucf yeah and ucf being a non-power five school i mean they're in a recruiting hot hotbed yeah, right 100%. but he but he took them from a owen 12 team or whatever right owen 11 or owen 12 two years ago to being undefeated this year yeah fantastic, right? He can turn around a program, but what makes it even better is that he has those ties to Nebraska, right? He, uh, in some ways is a throwback to Tom Osborne that Bo Pelini and, and, um, Mike Riley were not in that he has those, those roots in Nebraska and, and he does it the way they want it to be. Do
0: you see what he's doing with UCF? He's coaching the bowl game which yeah. we never see. I love that so much. And did you hear what Bill Moose talked about it, uh, the, the athletic director at Nebraska, formerly our Washington State athletic director. Yeah. He mentioned that it's like a three-hour commercial for Nebraska because you're going to see his offense and you're going to see a ton of headshots of Scott Frost and all they're going to be saying is Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska for three hours. And it makes them look good. If I'm a player, my coach stuck around. He, he did that one last rodeo. That's the guy I want to play for because I've watched for years and years. Every time a coach leaves after the end of the season, they leave a team in tatters. There's nothing left behind him, a wake of destruction, and they always have to try to pull it together and win a bowl game. And I'm like, that can't be the best way to do it. That's a great point.
1: I think if you were to look in the last, what, week, we've seen a couple coaching moves. If you were to compare Scott Frost's move to Willie Taggart's move, you see two incredibly different situations right so scott frost leaves ucf as an undefeated coach he's yep. taken that program to new heights yeah. those fans by and large on twitter on facebook have reacted positively they get frost. it they get they it. respect it they see look at what he's done for our program he's made us nationally prominent but we also understand hey if we're not going if we're going undefeated this year and no other team is and we're still not in the playoffs we will never make it to the playoffs and There's so gratitude think, and a realistic attitude Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and simultaneously, Nebraska's happy that he's back home. Yeah. But then if you look at Willie Taggart, who left Oregon after uh, being from the Northwest, you know, I follow a lot of, of, of yeah. pe- Oregon people online. And it's like they're just coming to the realization that, that college football coaches are not in it, uh, are, are in it for selfish reasons. And it's like, well, yeah, I think what? we always do that, right? Really? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, just, just the general negativity towards Billy Taggart over the last couple days on Oregon Twitter has been really interesting. And, and I even have some Florida State friends who are like, wait a second, we're hiring someone who has a losing record as a head coach. You know, granted, he's, he's, he's gone in and turned around a couple different teams, but he's, he's coached in the last 365 days. He's sold, he's tried to sell recruits on three different schools, right? He's tried <laughs> to sell them on USF, Oregon, and now Florida State all in the last year. And so loyalty is is out the window with
0: him. It's interesting. I want to talk about, though, something that I I haven't once mentioned Willie Taggart on the show. He's an incredible recruiter. I uh, follow—one of my friends is a reporter for the Oregonian, and he always always tweets when Willie Taggart does a little ring-ring, which means they got a new recruit. That dude, if he can recruit the guys he brought to Oregon, imagine what he can do at Florida State. Because that's that's how college football is. That's, the, that's why I'm not a big fan of college football, is the way college football works is you have great coaches who recruit freak-of-nature athletes. I call them mutants on my show. They're people that are unbelievable. That's why when Alabama plays Washington State, if that ever happened, they'd obliterate us just because they're bigger, better, and stronger. And that's what Willie Taggart does so well. He's very similar to the guy. I can't remember the guy leaving. What's his name right now? Jimbo um, Fisher? Yeah, Jimbo Fisher was great at re- recruiting big freak-of-nature athletes. That's what Willie Taggart's going to do at Florida State. Using the state of Florida, my goodness, that's that's a scary match made in heaven.
1: What does it say about Florida State that Jimbo Fisher left a program he's won a national championship with to go to Texas a a program that is sort of another has-been program? They haven't been that relevant other than Johnny Manziel in
0: years, decades. I think it was a good time for him to reset because you you, you lost your quarterback. You had a, I think it's worst year ever. And you had expectations. I mean, we watched Alabama and Florida State play in the, the first game of the year, and that was a competitive—I thought they could both end up in the college football playoff when it was all said and done. You, you lose your quarterback, you have a really disappointing year. Six and 6 I believe, had a horrible year, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to get out of here before I lose my job. Because if he does that another year, he's out, right? N- now he can reset. We forget that he had a bad year. We'll never remember this year ever again. It was the right time for him to leave. Not because I think the school, school versus school, it's just he's in a bad situation and he can get out now before it gets too bad.
1: Well, he also got $75 million, so that helps. Oh,
0: man. What would you do? Well, so I was talking about Mike Leach. Mike Leach makes millions of dollars in Pullman. What's that like? I three wonder mil- what that's three million like. $3 a year in Pullman? Buy a- it goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's insane. I had one more thing. I want to talk about the difference between college football and the NFL. This is why college football drives me nuts. I'm a nerd. I, I love the X's and O's of football. I played quarterback. I, I think I know football a lot better than most people. At least the way the game is played, and the strategy part of it. I'm so sick and tired of because it's not a level playing field. The way college football is won is with recruiting. In the NFL, there's a you, you can't recruit guys. There's a salary cap. It comes down to who's smarter, not who's stronger. That's why UCF. I love UCF. They're a great story. They're 12 and 0. They would they would not stand a chance that they got into the college. Well, football you know what? Playoff. We would
1: find that out if we had an eighteen playoff.
0: We would, but do we need to? Do, do we? Yeah. Do, do we really need to? I think we do.
1: I think we do. I mean, you look at you know football is a different case study than college basketball, but we see if upsets happen in college basketball all the time. The AAC, which is what the the league that uh, UCF is in. Uh, they had wins over Illinois this year. They had uh, uh, Memphis beat UCLA. Yeah, and and so and so you know it's I think the AAC is is very very close to being a power six team if we were to count it as a power team. Who
0: who are they playing? Do you know who UCF is playing in their bowl game? Because that's gonna be really telling. Because I don't think like like Georgia UCF, that's an annihilation. But them playing a good team again, they're they're competitive with a team like UCLA, a middle of the road, maybe not great, but a good power five team. They can compete with that. And if they, depending on their bowl game, if they're getting a team, I, I if I remember correct, I think it's Auburn. That see, that's that's over. I, I love it. But it could be it could be an embarrassment for Nebraska if they're like this is our new guy, he's great, and they're getting trounced thirty five to nothing.
1: Uh. Two years ago. Houston won the, a- I uh, believe they won the AAC. A- yeah, this was yeah. Um, um, Tom Herman's final year yeah. at Houston. They won the conference, and they played Florida State in a bowl game, in a New Year's Day 6 oh. bowl game, and they won. They beat
0: Did Florida they really? State.
1: They beat Florida State.
0: See, that would be so cool. I- I- I'm pessimistic. I- it- what if they went 13-0? and Wouldn't that be fun? It's, it's like there's a they're the Cinderella story of college football. If they can beat Auburn, who is legitimate. We both agree they're a great football team. How cool would that be if UCF beat them? That'd be and with so Scott great. Frost, like Scott Frost, he's already on top of the world. He's Who leaves a college football team for a new job at the end of a season the way he's done and has nothing but positive from both sides of the aisle? That's incredible. Yeah. And then he wins his bowl game? What? That's unheard of. That's ridiculous. That'd be incredible. It'd, it'd be a great story. It would be a great story. And that that's what football is all about, is it's a great medium to tell stories. And that's why I i love any college sport more than any professional sport. Really? Mm-hmm. What? why? Why? Because you have I, you have crazy fans, you have unrealistic expectations, you have all kinds of stuff. I, I really the fans really turned me away from college football. I
1: think that's what makes it unique. You get the the pageantry and the camaraderie, and you were if you were to walk out um, at tailgates, right? For for example, at other than maybe the Buffalo Bills, yeah. you you don't find the kind of tailgating and the kind of the the passion of NFL fans that you do with college football fans. And I think that's true in some respects with, with many sports Um, college basketball. Certainly it's a, it's a corporate environment in the NBA, which is fine. That is what it is. I'm going to a LA Clippers game next week with my sister. I bought tickets for six bucks and we're in the (laughs) like 500 level. Yeah. And, and you know, whereas I could walk out to the WSU Idaho game right now and probably for six bucks be sitting front row. And so it's just a different atmosphere. Uh, And that I think that's true amongst all all cultures. Well, that's because
0: in Lincoln, Nebraska, there's nothing for miles. The whole city, the whole state, is about Cornhusker football. And how cool is that? That makes it so much more fun, right? Iowa,
1: look at look at Iowa football, right? Iowa has not much except for Iowa football and Iowa State football to look forward to every year. And so you build up these kind of cool traditions. You. You see at the end of the first quarter, all the Iowa fans turn around and wave to the kids in the children's <laughs> hospital next door. And, you know, things like that that are like, wow, that's really cool. That's what sets college
0: football apart from the NFL. Yeah, man, I just, I will never get over the X's and O's factor, though. Because Bill Belichick would not be a great college football coach. He's great in the NFL because he's smarter than everybody else. That's why I think Chip Kelly, I, I hope he does well. I think being in UCLA is a benefit to him. But you, Chip Kelly's an NFL coach because he's, he's smarter than the room. He doesn't recruit mutants. He doesn't recruit as well as Jimbo Fisher or Nick Saban. I think Herm Edwards is going to beat the crap out of Chip Kelly. I really do. And I can't wait to watch him because you have a defensive-minded head coach, Herm Edwards, versus Chip Kelly, an offensive-minded coach. But I think Herm Edwards is going to bring better recruits to Arizona State, the new hire at Arizona State, when he plays UCLA and Chip Kelly. Okay, I'm writing this down. Herm Edwards is going to beat the crap out of Chip Kelly. Got it. I, I'm waiting I for this to happen. Just watch. No, first, first of all, USC is going to be irrelevant in a couple of years. Once Sam Darnold leaves and you have Herm Edwards and Chip Kelly, we're going to forget USC exists until they get a new big coach. I, I really don't think Clay Helton. I love Clay Helton. I think he's done a good job. He's, he's, done a, he's done a fine job. But you have Herm Edwards, an all-star coach, who's going to get great recruits, and Chip Kelly, who's going to draw people to, because first of all, it's LA. Second of all, he's a genius head coach with X's and O's. What, is, what does Clay Helton offer you? We're going to very quickly, I think, forget about USC. I disagree. I think I think Clay Helton's
1: a fine coach. And, and I think UCS, USC will always, to some extent, sell itself. Yeah. Okay? okay. It's in LA, nice weather, all that sort of stuff that comes with it. Um, and, and Chip Kelly, obviously, I think is a, a fantastic coach, yeah. especially college. Man, he had it rolling there at Oregon. However, I disagree about Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards – hasn't coached in 10 years. And even when he did, he was a sub 500 coach in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be as successful as you think he is. See,
0: that's why I don't think he's an NFL coach. He's a rah-rah guy who motivates people to play for him. Current players and recruits. That's that's back to the same difference. The difference between the NFL and college football is it's about motivation and recruiting. The NFL is who's smarter. So again, Bill Belichick would be a terrible college football coach because you're not like, I'm going to jump through a brick wall for Bill Belichick. You love him, he's your dude, but he doesn't inspire you. Not the same way that listening to Herm Edwards talk. I, I want to jump through a brick building. It's ridiculous. That's the, the secret of college football. That's what Nick Saban does. That's what Jimbo Fisher does. That's what Bill Belichick does not do. Bill Belichick is smarter than you. He does not recruit you and inspire you. I, I'm really curious. I think Arizona State and UCLA is going to be a rivalry. I'm excited to see in the next couple of years. Because again, we have that defensive-minded coach against an offensive-minded coach. And it's gonna, they're going to get both get great recruits. It's going to be a ton of fun.
1: I'm also excited to see who you, uh, Oregon hires to replace.
0: Do you think it matters? Do, do you think do you I think do? who do, who do you think they could like what what does it take for Oregon to be successful? Cuz I really think they're overrated as a program in general. I don't think they're this great program they used to be, but that was kind of a fluke cuz they had a great coach.
1: Yeah, Oregon's an interesting uh a program because you know, they they don't have the recruiting natural recruiting backyard that some schools do they just
0: have a ton of expectations
1: they do and i think they're realistic because of nike and i think that relationship uh, uh is one the, the cool factor i mean that's why that's that's part of the reason why oregon was so good for so many years is they were the cool the cool team right yeah uh um, and and so they could go into california and sell jerseys and, and you know that that atmosphere to southern california kids but I don't think cool has any substance. Yeah. And it, that's it, the problem. It's interesting because has that cool factor worn off a bit? I don't know. Willie Taggart, it seemed like had tapped into it. Um, but will the next coach be able to do that? I, I don't think there's a lot of coaches who could have succeeded to the level Willie Taggart was having in recruiting,
0: but, but we'll see. Do you know what names are being thrown out? For Mar- uh,
1: Mario Cristobal. Uh, who's, who's that? He's uh, 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 the offensive coordinator. Or defensive coordinator, one of the coordinators at Oregon. Uh, I even a friend from uh, Oregon just tweeted me uh, that the Leach is actually being floated as the name.
0: Yeah, right. Um, uh, but we'll see. we'll see. I don't think he'll ever leave. I don't. I don't think. Chip, uh, I don't think Mike Leach is ever going to leave Washington State. He's got a great little niche here, and he walks to practice. He can do. He controls the media completely here. He has college kids ask him questions that make him look like a god because he's just like. They ask him terrible questions, and he just goes on rants, and it's fun. In New York, in Tennessee, in Oregon with a little better media, in L.A., Mike Leach is not the same guy because he can't get away with the things he does and the things he says here. He's got a great little life in his quaint, small town. I don't think he would leave. I really don't. I agree. He's got a nice little life here. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Thank you so much for stopping by. I, I appreciate really it. I appreciate you. You've done a lot for me just this school year too. Like you just have really, really helped me and it's been a joy to interact with you. And I'm glad we've become friends. So thank you so much for, for coming. Oh on my gosh. Show. Thanks
1: for having on me on my show and or having me on your show, excuse me. And apparently I know, and it's 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 been a pleasure this year.
0: Remember you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes and on SoundCloud and on YouTube. I put my full show. If you want to watch the whole podcast, you can. You guys do. I don't understand it, but I love it. I Respect that. You can also find my best clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about this show. There are a lot of people out there that don't know the show exists. That I think if they did, would want to listen to Strong Opinion Sports. We're growing. We're about. We had a 400 downloads on the last podcast, which is it's insane. We started at August 31st, and we're already at 400 downloads. It's really awesome. I'm really excited. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Scholmer. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys, and I have a great day, everybody.